your own words with Dr. Goblin Orkay. It is Monday. Good afternoon, Dr. Orkay. How are you? I am doing great. Good. I just listened to the tail end of my sister's uh, presentation, Dr. Khalis Burnett. And yes. uh, always, I just at times want to just jump in before she signs off. Oh, you because can. It just, you absolutely can. It just dovetail into the million of other things going on in our life. Yes, and, yes. Uh, because I'm a global health practitioner and I am tuned, I've been trained to think global. Think of the picture. But <laughs> global also includes my neighbor that lives just, <laughs> just next door right now. And tonight, as we have as we continue our theme on advocacy, and we have a most awesome sister that will be joining us with her own story i just listened to what she talked about you know you take that walk yes you just let it be you you shed some you shed a little i did not sleep last night yes that's what you said yes and it's not because i'm right there in afghanistan but I did Pakistan. Mm. I did Afghanistan. I gave them 11 months too. Mm-hmm. Then I think of the anniversary of 9-11, which is just around the corner. Sure is. 9-11-2001. Wow. Between Tower. Yes. You know what happened? And we're doing the 20th anniversary and the Taliban are still in charge. Yes. So think of the time, talent and treasure. Think of the blood. Think of the toil. It's not what we can wish away. And uh, if we think global, if we think of the Chinese virus, the Kung Fu virus, or any other thing our former president wants to call it, it does not stop the fact that it's keeping us from living our lives as we used to know it yeah 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 and and everything has changed so it is not a time right now where we look for scapegoating it is his fault it is his fault it is his fault come on we've had enough of that yes when I started this show last year, I had an afro. What happened to my head? <laughs> Everything has dropped. That is just the fact that we should keep it real. And before we go too far into the show, and as we think of, in your own words, which is a conversation with me, where we prepare nothing, we just talk about topical issues and we follow the individual through their own journeys. Mm-hmm. Let us not forget those that do not have votes. So in the last few meetings, we'll be talking about advocacy. 
a patient-centered approach. Mm-hmm. Health advocacy, patient advocacy, disease awareness. Why? Because, well, it's just my natural bias because I grew up in the healthcare industry. And this should be a talk ordinarily that we should be giving to providers. But guess what? We are giving to our clients and the people we support right now because we want them to have greater control mm-hmm. over their own lives. But we must also pause for a minute and think of our brothers in Haiti. They just had the earthquake. Yes. If that was not enough, <laughs> there is a storm that will make landfall. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Haiti gets it. God, yes. Haiti. Gets and it. somebody will tell us, oh, because of voodoo. Yeah, I've heard yeah. that so many is times. Is it just because they are Black people? Right, right. And it is the curse of the Western Hemisphere. But meanwhile, across the pond in Florida, Governor DeSantis is telling us right now that he's setting up an emergency committee a team that will go out and treat people with COVID. So they are ready to administer oh. those expensive medications, but they are not going to tell you about hand washing, social distancing, and facial covering, which is coming first. These yeah. are issues. So if any of these does not keep you up at night, yeah. Please talk to me. Let me give you a list so that I will tell you what will disturb you just a little bit. So uh, I will let uh, my sister Yolanda please introduce the guest for tonight. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we've got Betty Pearson Grimble. Hope yeah. I pronounced that right. Yeah, that's and, thank you. Thank you. Betty has a 31-year-old daughter. Oh, you look good. And a 29-year-old son and a five-year-old granddaughter. Her son is autistic, and this has absolutely changed her life. It has made Betty aware that change is not scary, but necessary. She attended Dominguez Hills, Cal State Dominguez Hills, and she obtained her master's in sociology. She She is the autism chair for the city of Los Angeles, and she has created a funding, created funding to assist young people with special needs that go to Cal State Long Beach. Very good. She is a parent advocate for all all ages, and she assists parents and caregivers to find the best programs for those kids and folks at the college level that need it. She is currently a board member at Westside Regional Center as the board president, and her son currently attends El Camino College. His interests are skating, bicycling, Surfing, drama, and special Olympics. He sounds like a well-rounded kid. <laughs> he does everything. Very good. And you're a grandmother of a five-year-old granddaughter. Good for you. Isn't oh. grandparenting wonderful? Uh, yes, it is. But it's funny because my daughter's in Wisconsin, so I really haven't seen her for a minute. Oh. So it's dynamics, but it's okay. I do miss a little squirt, but yeah, she's in Wisconsin. Her dad is in the Marines, as a matter of fact. He's he's giving to his country, so. Yes. Wow. Okay, well, you know what they say to me all the time? You don't look your age or you don't look like a grandmother. I am a proud granny. 
Call me granny anytime. I am a granny. I should have been a granny. Yeah, I should have been a granny first. I I tell her, I say, I'm glamma. We do, yeah, I'm glamma. I've taken her, when she was 13 months old, I took her to Europe. She went with me and my daughter to Europe. Oh, wow. And Well, she says she remembers, but she has pictures of the Eiffel Tower. And she says, I was in Paris. Oh, my gosh. Really? Oh, my God. Yeah, you were, honey. (laughs) Very good. Very good. Well, you know what they say? Black don't crack. No. And I think it's like Godwin saying he, he, he doesn't get sleep. Well, my mom is 87 and she gets her eight hours of sleep religiously. She does her Bible and she gets her sleep. And my mom have any wrinkles on her face. Oh, good. My dad is 92 and he doesn't have any wrinkles. Oh my. Yeah. He's 92. And when I saw him a couple of months ago, I said, wow, look at him. He does not look 92. He doesn't look 90 period. And he does not have any of the, the wrinkles. He's got the, the 92 year old isms. But, and he doesn't have dementia. He doesn't have Alzheimer's. He's got old timers. He's got old timers, not Alzheimer's. My mother will remind you in a minute. And you're just like, isn't she 87? Yeah. But she's the same thing. She still goes for her walks every day and everything. She's very yeah. mobile. That's very yeah. good. And that those uh, are the inspirations. My aunt is 92 also. She and my dad are the same age. And I have to remind her, you don't drive anymore. Put them <laughs> keys down. <laughs> I know you don't think you're going anywhere. You better put them keys over there. Please, you guys come and get this car from her before I have to hurt her. <laughs> my mom had to stop driving too. She she had to stop because she couldn't. She just was wanting to do what she wanted. And we said, yeah. no, that's not how. Yeah, so that's my yeah, aunt. I, it's okay. <laughs> it is okay. Right, Dr. Orkay? <laughs> yes, I think it's really interesting just listening to the exchange. And, uh, you know, I'm also driving down in my own mind, you know, <laughs> all the chaos and noise. You know, my dad succumbed to Parkinson. Oh, wow. And before he did, he had a clear mind, minimal wrinkles, and he still did this just about two months before he died, they called my mom and winked. <laughs> <laughs> and the nurses oh, said, and oh the nurses God. told him, Daddy, don't even think about that. <laughs> so, oh that's just so, to say he still got it. Yeah, it's it, okay. But isn't, isn't Alzheimer's dementia the worst? Because yeah, you watch my dad so. too. My dad had it too. And it's and and it's like you you're I did not want my dad to leave. He was seventy nine when he passed away. Mm-hmm. I didn't want him to, but I wanted him to stop suffering. Yes. It is like knock knock who is there and there's nobody in the house. Nobody. And the and the reference I always use was a famous letter that uh, our former governor, then President Ronald Reagan wrote when he said his goodbye to the American people, when he had been diagnosed with uh, Alzheimer's disease and he knew that he had seen the sunset. I have that letter right on my desktop and oh my something God. that I hold there. And uh, 
in the introduction of uh, Miss Betty, you know, uh, I'm always emotional. It's uh, it's it's just me, but I liked how Betty described herself rather than herself, but more of what she's involved with, you know. Yeah, mom, grandma, and the champion. That she also described her son as being autistic. And uh, I think that would be the best way to start this conversation today while we talk about patient advocacy and health advocacy. Last week, we talked, last month, two weeks ago, we talked about health advocacy. Oh. We had our guests that had a, a basket of prescription meds. Oh, wow. Because they, had, they only added one more to it. Always wow. more. And today we talk about somebody who is actually a champion, somebody with a voice. But rather than talking about, you know, the gloom and doom, the pain and suffering, we always like to put a spin. And the spin today will be labels. What does it mean to be autistic? What do you, how do you describe? How do you describe somebody? Is it offensive or not? Because President Obama once called somebody the R-word, retired. And he got into trouble for doing that. Never mind any other thing about the political and bipartisan way of looking at things. So what is an appropriate way to address anybody these days? Betty? So society has tried to normalize um, people with special with special needs. But I'm not when John was diagnosed at 18 months and he was, Kaiser said, sorry, a hospital said, put him in an institution. I said, God doesn't make mistakes. So I didn't focus. I knew he had autism, but autism didn't have him. Mm-hmm. So I knew I had to create a plan. And I learned early on that schools are for babysitting. I'm the one that's going to do this work. I'm the one that's going to bring my son through this. So when they said John at 18 months couldn't talk, wouldn't be able to read, he reads at college level. He's he's passed all the way up to college algebra at college. And so it wasn't because of the the label, but the label only because I talked to my son and now at 29 going to be 30, he understands the label. So the label is there because it's what society has had said, but he can break the ceiling. He knows that. I tell him it's okay because it's so funny. We were getting on a plane one time going to Sacramento to meet with people in the representatives and they had heard about my son. So they wanted us to come. And so we're getting on the plane and we get special treatment and the guy is looking at him and he's, he, he looks at him like he, he doesn't look like he has special. What's why is she getting on the plane early? He's a grown man. And I said, Oh, he has autism. And my son says, no, I'm not autistic. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it is interesting that you say that because my granddaughter had some delayed uh, responses in her development. So my daughter took her to the doctors in Atlanta put her in a few programs. And I think by that time she was two. And one of the things that she did find out was that 
for girls, one, it was highly unusual. Yes. Oh to be autistic. Oh, second, wow. yes. Yeah, second, uh, they are not diagnosed until after two years old. Fast, mm-hmm. fast forward. Bailey is nine. She'll be 10. Actually, I take that back. Bailey is nine, but she says she'll be uh, 21 in November. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so, you, you know, you know uh, Yolanda, you said something very interesting. I'm going to f- follow that trajectory and, and continue with Betty because what Betty has just told us something critical about a family unit. Yes. I've spoken to Be- with, with Betty offline. We have other connections, which we must disclose. She's the president of the board, and I'm also a board member mm-hmm. at the West Side Regional Center. And our passion really is just to help people to navigate, to show them what is possible mm-hmm. and what is there. We don't talk about empowerment because we don't even have the power. We tell them mm-hmm. what it mm-hmm. right. is. Right. Well, they, these people in uh, Atlanta, they wanted her to think, a few of them did, they wanted her to think, Atlanta and Dallas, they wanted her to think that Bailey is autistic. That, that is Bailey, the question I'm going to ask yeah, Yolanda no, right now. Not at all. How do we stop our... Oh, she wasn't autistic? Especially no, no. mothers, mothers oh, of oh color, uh, Black women from outsourcing parenting. I want to hear your journey too. How did you find out she wasn't autistic? That's amazing. Well, she wasn't. She was, she's just a very, very bright little girl who's very, very active. And she, I took her to quite a few of her schooling events. I took her to the classes that she went to. I took her to the classes that were given at the medical center. I took her to a speech class. There was a speech therapist that came to the house Bailey just decided when she wanted to do what was considered normal she decided that she wanted to do it she decided so so flip the script and you're a parent like me and you know something's wrong and I I'm the type of parent you know give me the bad news tell me whatever I'm I just need to know so there are so many of my friends that had the same thing happened to them and you're lucky it went the other way but you're a parent sitting there and you know something's wrong with your child my son changed literally overnight when he got vaccinated and I kept telling the doctor and he just thought oh there's this crazy mom that keeps coming with her son but there's nothing wrong and then they finally give you the diagnosis so I have talked to so many black families that did not get the diagnosis and they would just say to them exactly what you're saying about your grandchild but it went the the other way that there's nothing wrong with your child so you're not doing anything so you were lucky you were proactive doing those things but a lot of my friends who now they look at me and they say dr Godwin, like you said they said how did you do it so i became proactive where i would label everything in the house John, you're going to learn how to read. They kept saying, oh, you're pushing him. He doesn't need to learn how to read. He's going to be in his own little world. I said, no, no, no. The world is his world. Right. So again, you're still looking at society saying, well, we're really not going to tell you. And like you said, because I did a, my thesis in college at 
Dominguez, that the professor was totally amazed, was about the outcome of autism, especially in the Black community. For, like you said, girls are lesser than boys. But guess who's the main ones that get autism in the community? Black. Who are the ones that are underdiagnosed? Black. So now we have. Yeah, I, I black you know women. why? Because they can't deal with black kids, strong wills, and strong mama. And with that, we just essentially start medicating children. Yeah. And usually they'll be black boys. I'm yeah. going so there. Before, we, before I lost the connection, we are talking about. How do we really take charge and stop outsourcing parenting? Because right now, we outsource parenting responsibility. I know the black dad may be in jail. I know all the stereotypes that may be there. But not all are in jail. And not all black mamas are baby mamas. But when we outsource parenting to school, the school resource officers come with a gun. When they come with a gun, they force our kids out of fear, not even understanding what is going on. And when they go to the clinic, the solution is medication and medication and medication. So now, Betty, in your own journey... No, I didn't. You are educated. You've gone through grad school in sociology... You have a beautiful that don't crack grandma. You have a son that you've taken care of through this journey and pathway, dining, speaking, and as the case may be. Can you just tell us a little bit about the journey? Because how do you now support other grandmas and other moms? What exactly do we need to Why are you a champion to? And how on earth did you become a board president? So what happened was when Don was first diagnosed real quickly, that was the first thing they wanted to do. They threw pads at me that had medicine for him to go to sleep, wake up. If I was mad at him or he was acting bad, to just let him be medicated. So I immediately said no. So he went on a journey where foods were taken away, foods were given, and my son is vegan. He doesn't eat meat. So that was the first thing. Then the second thing, I noticed that I needed to put myself in the community. I needed to know what I didn't know. So I would go to all the conferences. They knew me because basically there was a sprinkle of Black people that would go to the conferences because... First of all, it's expensive. Second of all, it's time consuming. And so I learned the ins and outs of how to get into conferences and get information. I would have doctors come up to me and say, you just need to give your son this vitamin. This is going to help him. So I started learning the importance of nutrition, vitamins, how to supplement my son when he would have the mood swings. John would have to be harnessed on a bus because his behaviors were bad. But I started noticing and started working with him. And then I would tell other parents, like you said, Godwin. So I knew my journey and sorry with God was that I had to empower myself to empower our people, to empower us because you go to conferences and other people are informed, but we just listen to doctors and do what they say. And so I learned how to be my son's advocate as far as his health. So through that journey, I became more, can you guys still hear me? Yes, we can hear you. 
Oh, okay. I don't see him, so I didn't know. So, yes, we can hear you. Okay, so through yes. the journey, I became in the community. I would be an advocate and go for parents, and I would try to tell us about our health. Because if you're giving your kid nachos and Cheetos and they have to sit and be, you know, focused, it's not going to happen. We need to look at fruits, vegetables. Like John knows if we have a meal, we're going to have broccoli and, and carrots and something else because vegetables are important for your mind, your body, your health. And he knows if he goes somewhere, there's certain foods he can. People say that to me because he goes on camping trips with organizations and they're like, your son's behavior is amazing. John has his moments, but he knows from communication, I made important. Even with, look, my daughter's 31. She's still learning how. (laughs) We have boundaries. (laughs) But my son is better at it than my daughter. So I, my journey took me to from being on school campuses, everywhere he went, I would get fingerprinted. I would give time and I would be part of organizations on the campuses where I would raise money. We would go to the science center. We would go to spend the night there and they would say, oh my goodness, how did you do this? And I'd say, you just make it happen. You just make it happen. Everything that kids that are typical experience, he is going to. So that's why for his birthday, when he turns 30 next month, He's going to, he's got a surf party. He's going to surf. He surfs. (laughs) He does everything. No, I'm not kidding. This kid, and he loves it. He loves surfing. Like when he first went out there, they were all like, where has he surfed? I said, this is the first time I've never taken him. So he loves, yes. So you know what? My whole thing is exposure. Godwin knows. I believe that we need to stop being afraid because my friends would tell me, that's not something that normal, you know. And I say, but what is normal? What is normal? We need to expose our kids because you never know. You might have a kid out there that can play hockey or whatever that has that gift. And so, oh, next time I'm going to show you, I want your number. I want to show you John's art. He's an artist. He has sold his art. Yes. Yes. Wow. He's amazing. And so, so people ask me. So Betty, I'm, you- I'm going to give you a punch below the belt if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. You, no, I can take Yes, you can take a punch. So let me give it to you. With your degree in sociology, why don't you get a real job? And how do you find a real job? Because you just told me about normal. So my job was making sure my son, when I'm not here, can take care of himself. <laughs> and nobody, nobody would have done for my son, what I did. And you know what's funny? I was with my ex-husband. He's LAPD retired. And he said to me, we were supposed to have like four kids. And I was like, we have a son. I don't even know what autism is. We're not having any more kids. And he said to me, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to go get a job. I want to be normal. But we would go to school educational things for John. And John was in the corner twirling around. And I said, well, why is my son doing that? And they would say, well, because that's his normal. And my ex at the time looked at me and said, you're not going to work, are you? I said, no. And he said, it's okay. I- I'm so, so glad you said this because just two weeks ago, 
a family friend of mine recently bereaved, going through the estate documents, they got the paperwork of the great-grandmom and her occupation was housewife and the place of work on the death certificates from Illinois was home. And she was a homemaker and everybody is standing straight and getting things done. She's not here, but they still salute that woman. And when people talk about normal, usual, we mix it up in language. And when people talk about expectations, usually it's a projection projection of theirs and not yours. Imagine the good... I teach college kids. They're not kids again. But John is in college. He could have been in my class. And the original introduction was somebody with autism, being autistic and all the connotation, which is a limiting factor. But you've just told us that. Yeah. Hey, hey, gee, you know you have a three- a third grader in your house also, now a fourth grader that's probably graduating college, like from third grade, they know everything. How was last year? Homeschooling her. I, tell you, I don't know how those <laughs> teachers deal with it. I know, right? And my wife just about, you know, mine is this part, her own is right here, she has no <laughs> hair left on top. Because she will work as hard as it comes she will come home just dragging her feet and supervise the homework. Check the Zoom link, respond to the instructor, and start again the following day. Are you not telling me a homemaker, a home builder is not a real job? I just have to throw that in. No, no, no. And I agree with you because on my journey, you guys, I got offered because of my knowledge, so many jobs. And I got offered to be the head of some organizations and they wanted me to work to be head of companies. And my family would always say to me, you, you, you can work somewhere. You can have a job. I said, I do. It's him. It's, it's him. Because when he goes to the classroom, when he would go to, to his math classes at El Camino and John doesn't, his verbal skills are minimal. And they would say to me, he gets up there and he does algebra equations. And they would ask him to explain and he could not, but the teacher would say, he would sit John with his, his test and he would get like B's in the class. And the teacher would say, he sits here, he does his homework. He does everything. If we didn't see him, he said, his mind must be so just racing with so much yeah. he has to say. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He does all of these things. And let me just say this to you real quick. This is so one of the things about me and my ex were very into music. We love music, jazz, except for aren't, you know, for rap. We're still like on the fence, but okay. So the one thing John loves is music. And so many of my friends would say, most of the kids don't want to listen. But when he was growing up in our house, you're going to listen to Nita Baker. You're going to listen to Earth, Wind & Fire. So the first time I took him to a concert in Las Vegas to see Earth, Wind & Fire, he cried. And I oh. said, what's John? And he said, it's music, but I see them. I see them. And he was so 
that did so much to him. Yeah. That did so much. Not the earplugs or seeing them. He actually saw the instruments. Yes. He saw the music. And and you know what was sad? John has seen everybody. He's been to see Beyonce. He's been to see Rihanna dance with him at one concert. He has seen, yes, he has been, my son, once he let me know that, my ex would be like, okay, what concert are you guys going to? We just came from vacancy, Bruno Mars. Oh, Bruno Mars. <laughs> it was so good. It was, wow. But again, what is it that drives your person to be that person that engages in the world? And you know what, Godwin? I want to tell you something. Some days with all of this up here, I do have regrets sometimes because my friends say, wow, you, I did TA at Dominguez because my professors were like, your knowledge of like this world of autism and everything, they said you could really just teach all so much. But again, I have to remember one thing when I'm not here, he's got to be able to take care of himself and nobody else is going to do that job. Godwin, but me right now. Yes. So, uh, Thank you for putting it so succinctly, because when we talk about advocacy, we're not talking about dependence. Yeah. Are we talking about uh, interference in the decision-making process or rather to place the person at the center of the decision-making process. Let me tell you something. It's, it's a story that just came up from one of my trips. I was in the Sudan. Oh, wow. And, and in this particular trip, I was looking at the EMOC, Emergency, Emergency Obstetric Care Services. And in this, we're looking at, you know, people, women will need cesarean section, assistance with childbearing, and so on and so forth. And I had a young MD whose only reason for wanting a $12,000 obstetric bed, you know, the one with the lithotomy position and you can assist, was his convenience, not the ease of the woman in labor because he did not want to bend. Oh, my God. But with 12,000, I can build a whole structure there. And the women have always had their babies in the frontal position. Yes. Not in the lithotomy position, which is convenience of the practitioner. Oh, my. Oh, wow. wow. Just He lost his job, didn't he? I, I chose a few words to tell him because I was a the chief medical officer was the medical director of the program. And I said, oh, wow. it's not a problem to give you a, an obstetric bed, but it's a problem if it is for your convenience. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And not uh, and this stuff. So, but also, I want to challenge Betty a bit because Betty and I always agree. So this time I want to disagree with Betty. No, we didn't agree today on the board. I'll talk to you about it later. I know we do. <laughs> but Betty talked about nachos and Cheetos. And we talk about equity. Betty's educated. She's streetwise and she's learned. But 
if in your zip code all you really have are those nachos and cheetos you have to get on public transport to get to the closest food for less or else superior that's a problem because we will still go and get the fast food the convenient food and remember you have limited time you have to juggle multiple priorities including two to three jobs i'm not calling you about a single mom i don't just being a mother just even breathing in la you have right. to, you have to juggle those jobs you're right and as an advocate for the person and placing the person in the center how do you not just oppose this what we're talking about equity I mean, and that's, and that is hard because I am confronted with that with a lot of my friends that say, oh, you're just bougie because you can go shopping at this store and that store. So what I did was I would go with them to the markets in their area and I would go into food for less. Even I've gone into superior, not even, but I went into superior and I said, okay, so let me tell you something that they tell you about nutrition. The vegetables and everything else are right in the front of the store. So you have to go into the store to get the junk. You physically, so the first place, even if you're going to Superior and I, and all of those things, yes. Oh no, because I've done a lot of outreach with mothers who they're, um, they have health, they have challenges as far as understanding the dynamics of what you're eating. And you're right. I have gone into places where I say, look, I understand you have to go to these smaller stores, but still the main thing is you have to find nutrition within the store the best way you can. And you just have to, and I say, you know, the best way, especially if I'm with my son, like I've been with John in places where when we, we went to New York and it was hard to find food. And I was like, oh my God, the markets are limited on just junk food. So I would got him a bag, a plain bag of Lay's potato chips because that's, it was what it was. But I said, we have to get out of the dyes and everything like that and go basic. And no, I, I know what you're saying because I, I worked with groups of mothers that their situations where we would literally go and take food all the time, take clothing find them places to stay and shelters. So I did that. I'm just remembering all the things I've done. So I've done that too, to help moms find somewhere to stay, to help moms go pick them up, take them to um, the places to get food stamps, to make sure that they could get food for their kids. I've gone to places to make sure that the parents and the kids are united and understand the dynamics of it's a mental thing where your food, again, it goes back to your food if you're eating bad you're going to think bad right so now you've got to redirect it yeah you've got to think about this and i know and i would tell the parents you know to help them i know it's hard to think about that but you have to, i would tell them i would say you have to be the one that recognizes this about your life i'm not going to be here forever oh my god just remember that where we would go and take food take clothes i would find families they were homeless and yeah. So we did a lot of that. And one of the things that I wanted to mention is I worked at 
Crenshaw High School for a lot of years. I worked all over LA Unified. I lived across the street from there. Oh, okay. I've worked all over LA Unified. I've worked Inglewood Unified. I've worked in, I can't tell you how many school districts. One of the things that is typical of school districts is that one, every kid in the school must complete the free lunch application. Okay, every kid has to fill it out, whether they eat that stuff or not. You said they stuff. have to fill it out. They have to fill it out because for every student, that document is equal to money. So the schools and the school districts get money based on that document. So at Crenshaw and other schools, we had to go door to door and get the kids to fill this out, fill it out, fill it out. Because this, the, the administration gives you a period of time in which to get that back because it goes to the feds. The feds in turn send the school district money based on everybody completing that document. So for example, in LA, even in Dallas, 600,000 kids, 600,000 kids have to fill out that document because they're going to get money based on, on that document. Absolutely. So when and the kids how get... How is yes, the food thing coming? Okay. So that food, I've gotten food for after-school programs. I've gotten food for Saturday programs. And, and what they want you to believe is that that food is USDA approved. I wouldn't touch that food with a 35 foot pole. Okay. Yeah, never, you know, you don't you eat know. that. You don't eat that. You, you know, you know, you know, you're, you're, you're Landa, we need to step in here. I understand <laughs> the politics and also understand that at a stage, we have to all know this as a fact to each child as a dollar sign. Absolutely. Yes. There's a dollar the, sign. On every from the kid. Department uh-huh. of Agriculture and yes. the food. We need everybody to fill that form that is absolutely yeah there are no if ands or buts department of education we say we are feeding them so we have that connection yes that is a fact and it's it's just the way it is but now let's talk about advocacy do you know that the u.s congress approved passed a motion and approved that pizza is a vegetable. No, 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 no. Don't forget ketchup. Yes, Don't they said the pizza and you had some ketchup to eat. It, it fulfills your ketchup. requirement to make yes. it a vegetable. Yeah. Oh, ketchup Betty, you are squinting? A... I will send you the link after this. Yes, ketchup is a vegetable. And yes. ketchup became a vegetable, I believe, Maybe twenty twenty five. No, that was un- that was under Ronald Reagan. That was under Ronald under Reagan. Ronald Reagan. That's then right. Pizza that was, was a vegetable wow. under George Bush. Yes, it became a vegetable. Yes, yeah, because it was people can lobby and people can advocate. So when we're talking yeah. about advocacy, let us think about advocacy at a different level. Like Betty is doing grassroots work. But she's also trying to do the legislative one also. So we are talking about federal, state, county, which is the local government, and the people. And the people, if at the end our conversation does not center around the people, they were missing the target. We are just all engaging. I don't know if I can say it on radio, but please, it's mental masturbation. We're just jacking each other off. 
Yeah. But since no, I cannot say it on radio, yeah. I'm not going to say it. That's true. Yeah. So, how will you describe a person-centered approach? Remember, I did not say patient because... Person. It's person. a person. I don't want patients. I'm not a clinician. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that they're... I don't think that they're... I think that all the approaches are a business. In fact, uh, yeah. uh, Superintendent Hinojosa said today, he used the word business. And, mm-hmm. and educate, educators, people in the education arena have to remember not to use the word business. Because when you talk about business and you talk about educating children, they should be worlds apart, but they're not. They're not. They're not worlds apart. Business first. The kid and his education is third. Then just always know that just whether they are special needs or not. Oh, yeah. The business is And by the way, I don't call them special needs. I call my children people with different abilities. Because if if young Mr. John can see the instrument that I'm struggling to hear, he sure has a different ability and definitely a better one. Because you can play a drum and a piano by me, and I will not even know the difference. Yeah, yeah. But John can have a blend, and he will tell you, oh, that is I, or that is off. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punch you in the stomach. Go ahead. Not too low. <laughs> <laughs> so, so all through this journey of 28 years for my son, every time someone comes up with a new label and for me as a parent okay because mentally it's not going to change when John walks through that door and has to be the person he has to be it's still going to be a label and it's okay because the label doesn't make him he makes himself and somebody yeah and somebody Dr. Godwin God bless you but this has been for years. I mean, it's fun. You walk in the office and you'll say special needs. I'll go, no, they're called. And I'm like, okay, John, do you feel better? Now you're, you're not that label anymore. So does this mean when you walk in the classroom, they're going to acknowledge you for your contribution to who you are? So does that mean when you go into a store and you apply for a job, See, this is a big thing for me as an advocate. Don't forget that Holly Robinson Pete's son worked for the Dodgers and got an apartment by himself. And he is, okay, and and she is in the organization. So, yes, so is Ariba Martin. So, and quite a few of the people who are so-called high profile, they have sons who are, forgive me for saying, Sons with different abilities. Yeah. So, yes. And in okay. different abilities. No, wait, I want to address what you just said. Wait a minute. So this is so interesting because Godwin asked a really good question. It's all tying in. It's all tying in. So when me and my ex, he had a really decent job and, and I could be, you know, stay at home, do this with John, pick him up, run this, go there, talk to this therapist, do this, do that. And I thought, man, if I had a million dollars, I could even do more. So then I meet these movie stars and everyone and 
And I said, wow, if I had a million dollars, John could have done that too. When I met Holly Robinson Pete, I was like so amazed. But again, like you said, oh, there's different tiers to all of this. There's mm-hmm. different tiers because you're not going to get the same services that that person got. John can't go apply for a job at Dodger Stadium. <laughs> He's right. not going to do that. Yes, yes. But Betty, you are talking about accommodation. Valuing the ability of the person is one thing, but also talking about the accommodation of the person. But Do wait you a minute. know how difficult wait, it was for but you didn't you didn't let me finish. But wait because... a minute, you guys, I gotta hit both of you. I gotta hit both of you. Okay, kill us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got it. My stomach is still okay. Elon Musk. Elon Musk, they have he has come out and said that he has autism. Well, he says he has Asperger's. Okay, Elon Musk. Okay, Elon Musk has Asperger's. And it's, it's, and you have to look at it, look at him and go, no wonder he's a genius. Yeah. No, no wonder he's a genius. But remember some of those people that are in those places, they've been able to be cultivated in some way to be like that. And don't get me wrong. I don't want to seem like I'm snarky or I have anything, but I have a son that's 30 years old that John can pretty much communicate to a level but now like like godwin says we have person-centered plans we have person person-centered plans that you need to have a program that fits you and again it's on how much money of a budget who's getting because weren't we talking about that the other day on our board equity how much is being given to the black community how much of the white community, how much of the Hispanic community, where you can facilitate this. And again, I know it sounds like I am, but I'm not snarky. <laughs> what because, does snarky mean? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not like angry. I'm not <laughs> like holding a grudge, but oh. would it be nice if everybody in the black community that has a disability or their special ability could have that funding to do those things? Because we don't in the community. We're, I'm sitting in a doctor's office when my son was 18 months old and he said, oh, here's medication, bye. Just like that, open the door. Please, ma'am, leave. There's nothing we can do for your son. Nothing. So you're looking at, you go from there to this and then you, you look at someone like Holly Robinson, Pete and all these stars that have their kids have these wonderful jobs. Uh, Hi, I, I'm Betty John's mom and um, okay, thank you very much. That's how it is. Mm-hmm. That's the reality of it. Mm-hmm. And now, especially at Westside Regional, there's this big push. Go out in the community and find your son a job. Just find him a job. So I asked our, our ED, I said, so how many people with special needs you see at Walmart, Trader Joe's, Macy's? So again, let's be real and have a real reality check on this nobody wants to hire them because they don't want to see them that's the reality yes but you see betsy you are so well placed and always we talk about our community too you are so well placed you are so well you are you are blessed you are you are also person-centered in your approach and your strategy 
We yes. don't always have to agree with you. You are a champion. That is a summary of faith. You recognize when we talk about labels, that when we talk about a label, we're not talking about excluding a particular group, but rather including people, inclusiveness. But we're also talking about appreciating who that person is. For example, it will be very difficult to go around with your name being Barack Hussein Obama. You can't even pronounce that name. <laughs> but just as it is difficult to be called Lakisha, Kanisha, Maisha, <laughs> that is as difficult as it is right now because you are already placed in a, yeah. in, you know, you, you already find yourself stuck somewhere else. So let's let's keep it real. It used to be, Muhammad Barack Hussein Obama, but he became president. And they said, oh, because of this and that and that. But we never, no matter how it is, end our chats on that footing. We're talking about accommodation. So with this opportunity of the successes you have with John and less successes somewhere, and very importantly, already being president of a board, it's actually an advocacy board too. And you have the microphone today. You can move and shake. You already have more than $250 million in your portfolio. I send you to Lemar Park. That's my neighborhood. That's our neighborhood. What are you going to tell my sisters, the mothers, the women there, the black people? Don't give up. Keep yourself spiritual. And people would always ask me, how did I do it with John? When they look at his cum, they have from when he was 18 months diagnosed until now, and they can't believe this is the same person. But I never give up because God doesn't make mistakes. Right. And I have to keep myself positive in that in that quest because, like I've told God, when I've had cancer twice, the second time I got bone cancer, they gave me a year to live. It's been eight years. Mm. And I didn't sit there with the doctors crying. I just said, they said, what are you doing? I said, I'm praying first. And then I'm going to figure out what do I need to do to make this positive? Because God doesn't make mistakes. God does not make mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes. So I had to redirect a lot of my energy in my life. Like I do with my son. Everything is about not what other people see, what you're going to do. I don't get caught up in that. I don't. I just do what I have to do. So I think we have to remember the energy isn't in the school. The energy is in yourself. When they said John couldn't read, I went and got books. <laughs> Dr. Seuss books. And we would read until he would learn a word. Yeah. So parents asked me, the kids are 20 and they hear John reading and they go, how did he read? And I said, a word a day. Yeah. A word a day. And look, he's 30 and he's still reading yeah. and he does a word a day. So it doesn't matter what your position is in life, because I just use Holly Robinson. Pete, I love her. I've talked to her so many times. I look at, I didn't have that million, but I had something else. I had my faith in God and I have my faith in myself. So you got to have that sometimes because so many of my friends, they'll come to me and they'll go, what did you do? What's the answer? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait. You need to sit down and figure out and like I used to tell people, when they would say, God, when they would say to me, who was your behaviorist? I never had a behaviorist. I had, John was horrible. He used to bite, scratch, spit. He was the demon child 
of autism. It was. And you know what? I never felt like he would not come out of this nightmare he was in. Yeah. Yeah. And he went until he was like five when he finally came to me. Like he he said, okay, she's pushing this. I'm going to say it. He said, hi, mom. I was like, hi, John. Like it was so natural. Like he, not until he was five. He wasn't potty trained until he was four. And when he did, he said, that's easy. It was just... (laughs) (laughs) So I think I know that you cannot give up. Right. That's true. Are you telling the mother that uh, maybe she's not as privileged and, uh, you know... But you are. But you are privileged because you have the love and the faith of God to get you through because there were so many times when I would sit in an office somewhere where they would tell me, well, John's just not doing that good. And I would say, okay, and pray. And it would be hard. You know, it's not going to be easy. It's not. No one, no one. I tell people this, you guys, it took 28 years for him to be the person he is today. Took 28 years. I didn't give up. I didn't, I didn't look at him and go, you know what? Like, even when he learned how to swim, he used to say, Mom, no more. And I'd say, get back in there because I'm not going to be there. And guess what? My daughter was somewhere with him because she could go with him to a lot of the programs. And she said, Mom, she was like nine. She said, someone died. I said, what happened? They didn't know how to swim. Yes. And on, on that note, I would say, John is 28 today. No, I no he's know- 30. He's going to be 30. 30. Okay. Looking at 28, it is unlikely you will be here when he's 82. Yes, I will. But, but from right. wherever you are, you will look down and smile and say, you've done your beats. And you know who that is? That's my dad, too, because my dad, he was old school. And he would say to me, he did that. You, you know what we need to do. And I'd be crying. And I'd say, dad, he's autistic. The schools say... And my dad would say, you know what? It's going to be okay because so many parents, you know what? Let me just say this really quickly. So many parents, when their kids get older, they have to give them medication because they can't control them. Right. Yes. Because we medicate ourselves out of the problem. And so we ask Yolanda now to tell us where we have this show every week. Every week, every week, in your own words with Dr. Godwin Orkay. Thank you, you guys, for having me. Thank you, Betty. Thank you so much. I'm going to just tune in to see you guys. Great. Wonderful. Well, Dr. Orkay has a great show every first and third Monday right here on the Intentional Talk Radio Network. It has been a pleasure to be a part of the conversation. And thank you, Dr. Orkay, for always allowing me to be a part of the conversation. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you, you guys. You need to come back with your board. We need to talk to all your boards in your own words. That's right. Right here on In Your Own Words. And don't forget to join us tomorrow for Change Matters right here on the Intentional Talk Radio Network. And tomorrow, our guest is B. Dixon from The Honeypot. B. Dixon. Oh, oh, I read that book. Oh, I'm going to be on there tomorrow. I read it. Oh, great, great. Well, she's our guest for tomorrow. She'll be right here on the Intentional Talk Radio Network. And honey, that's right. Her products are in stores all over the country. She's going to talk about her adventure, the journey, and what it took for her to get her products in the stores. It, it is a journey, and they, they mistreated her. I'll tell you that. So you do. Uh, please, where are these shows available? 
right here on the Intentional Talk Radio Network. And you can get all of our shows on Amazon, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, anywhere that you get your podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, you're on those platforms. So thank you for joining us. And you can also hear Dr. Godwin Orkay on, on all of those platforms, all of those podcasts. So be with us tomorrow. And don't forget every, every other, I'm sorry, uh, August 31st, we're going to have another show. It's time to tell the truth. And I'm sure Dr. Godwin Orkay will be on that show because it will be a panel of doctors talking about COVID-19. Oh, yes, ooh. absolutely. Okay. So you want to be with us. It's been great. Thank you all. Thank you so much. It's been a great evening. Enjoy yourself. Be safe going home, everybody. Take care. Okay. Good night.